All right, here we go. I never know what they talk about at the start, which is probably my own fault because I never planned these things. No, but that's okay. Do you ever? Do I ever plan it? No, because I will ask you what's your plan. Well, I asked to do the pod tonight. So, no, I don't think I'm maturing. I think, (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, I'm just back on the wagon, (laughs) sort of, because I don't even think, did I do a podcast last week? I don't think I did. I didn't. I don't know. Honestly, we've been so busy. Yeah. It's been busy, which is good and bad. There's been a lot of earning reports going on, so it's been a pretty busy time overall. Which I would argue is probably the best time to do the pods, but I get it. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And now... uh, we're doing the pod late at night, which is always what it seems to come down to because. Our schedules conflict. Yeah, and then we just end up waiting to the last minute mm-hmm. to do it, which I think is a fault of both of our ADD, which is just we wait till the absolutely last minute of necessity and then we. No, that's not true. I told you about it earlier in the day. Remember? Yeah. Only, I would, I would just say instead that we're well, being more proactive. Yeah, and then, I mean, the self-appointed schedule has been Tuesdays, or pod days. <clears throat> Although Disruptor didn't even text me this time about when's the pod coming out, so. But other people have been asking about it, yeah. which is funny. And I, I do have, I, I have been trying to take note of some topics people want me to talk about on the pod. Oh. Yeah. Like what? I one thing is the risk management, which I've talked about before. Basically, the sizing in, sizing out. You can yeah. use like thirds and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I guess I should just cover it really quickly. Because I don't, so I was thinking about this the other day, because I think one of the, it's interesting, because Alex Trader's Retreat asked me this the first time he interviewed me, was, you know, how do I hedge, what's what's risk management look like for me, and I always think it's an interesting, you know, question, like you can, you can make hedging as complicated as you want, I think for most traders, you don't have to make it crazy complicated it doesn't have to be like rocket science for it i think that if you just have like a really defined system for how you trade you you can make it really simple and you can take on mostly directional trades just like because even having a stop loss in place is a hedge right you're you're figuring out where do i stop the trade where do i stop the trade at 
and and cut losses for it. And I think I think that's fair enough. You can also, I mean, if you're trying to create a longer swing, then you can put on like you know puts the cover or or if if you're going long or or something like that. But um, you know, it doesn't have to be like this like super meticulous. You know, I put on I put on puts the hedge down. You know, a fifteen percent move, and then on the fifteen percent move, I was adding calls and all this all this like crazy like you don't have to make it super complicated it, especially for most traders it's like it's not very applicable i think that one of the best risk management strategies that you can do is is look at the start of each week and you know if it makes sense like you can excel it, this is funny because i was thinking about this today because i i wanted to be able to answer this question from a if I was starting trading, how could you how could you go about it in a simplistic way? And then and then of course my like rabbit little brain ran down a hole about all these other things about that are just so stupid that they tell you about when when you first start trading. Yeah. Um so let me let me finish my thought here. So you know, I th- I think like excelling your PL does help. I think that excelling out specifically how much cash you want to put up for a trade and setting out what the allocations are. And then looking at, you know, like how much would a third of the trade be, how many shares or or options would that be? Right? Like build it out, build the trade out ahead of time. Because I think having a plan in place and knowing what your numbers are and knowing what sizing in and sizing out looks like ahead of time really helps. And I think it also too, like it takes away from the, like just running on pure adrenaline. You know, you want the trade to be somewhat planned out ahead of time. And I think having a plan going into the trade creates a lot of, security. yeah, I mean, not necessarily security, but it does create like a box that you've constructed that, yeah, I guess it is security in a way. Like there is, there's defined loss that's acceptable. There's, you know, all all kinds of things that. Yeah, I'm not going into it blindly. Right. Uh, all right. And you don't want to like. I mean, we were talk. Actually, we were talking about this today in the in the uh, Substack chat, uh, the daily chat, which was, um, you know, we've seen some like terminal traders come through the Substack recently, mm-hmm. and. Um, the problem is, is that, you know, like, obviously I'm, I'm not perfect on every trade. Like not every trade's a hit. Um, most of my trades, you know, like obviously I'm 60% because I'm at least 60% because or else I wouldn't be here on it. But, you know, you can't just go full port to every trade. You can't, you can't just lay down your entire portfolio on it. What you need to do is. I was thinking about this. I was like, well, what's a what's a good way simplistically to figure out how big a trade should be? And after you've scored a really big trade. So like say, you know, you took a $2500 trade and it turned into 25,000 on it. And um now all of a sudden you have 25 in your account. So 
you know, for you, that's, that's obviously like a really big multiple. I think that, you know, an easy way to figure out, well, how much, how big should my next trade be? You should look back at like your trailing 12 month average size of each trade. And uh, if, if for like the last 12 months, each trade you've been taking is about $2,500, then you can do that. Like you can continue at the 2,500 plus or minus, you know, like 10 to 15% and like slowly start growing the trades bigger and bigger. But, you know, like it, it should be some sort of like, you know, if you, if I think a lot of people are like, well, so I, if I, if I did the 25, you know, I have the 25, why wouldn't I want to try to hit it again? If I, if I'm on a really hot run and obviously that's a little bit more of the gambling side of things. Um, yeah, I think the trade can, yeah, it's the ego, you know, like I don't want to miss out on potentially then a million dollar trade because look at what I did with $2,500, but that should be exactly it. Like, yeah, look at what you did with $2,500. You can do it again with $2,500. And by the time you, you've you know made a whole bunch of $2,500 trades, uh, you know, it, it should continue to grow your account. So I think you know, setting up e- starting each week with a defined sizing for your, for your trades. So like if it's $2,500 per trade, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to take Six, I'm going to I'm going to have availability for six trades. Each of those six trades can have a max of $2500 allocated to them. Then that's that's the rule you stick with, right? So um and you don't pull in from, you know, oh I only took three trades this week, so I have three other trades that still have $2500 allocated to them. Like stick to your rules and um you know, don't bend them because when when we bend them you find yourself in stickier situations that you don't want to be in. And a lot of times that's how you get into like a repeating loop of, you know, I, I built up my account and then it collapsed and I built it up again because I think I was trying to figure this out today is so like somebody at $2,500, you're pretty close to zero. So your reward obviously is way higher than your risk. You, you know, like the magnitude of, of, or the degree of separation from zero versus if you're at like 250K, you know, the separation from zero is obviously significantly different. So you shouldn't be taking, you shouldn't be putting up that, that same sizing for it. So hopefully that, that makes a little bit of sense. Um, and then, I, and then, so yeah, go for it. Ask the question. Just don't put all your eggs in. Yeah, that that too. So like diversification of trades, but also too like diversification between cash and in a trade is important too. But also too, this one will come with experience. You can you can highlight, and I think. If people watch me in in Wiz charts, you'll see me outline like six to ten different trades, and you might only see me take like two or three of those trades, or maybe you only see me take one of those trades, right? 
because you know the the right things didn't line up and I didn't like what I saw and whatever. Just being in one trade is totally okay, but you should like try to like look at multiple trades and see what's working and what's not working, and then um, you know it, as as time goes on, like you can you can reallocate cash to trades that are working. Yeah. Also, too, I I think so. They're setting up into like a swing, and sometimes you're averaging down on it, and there should be like a a hard stop loss line on on the average down for it. Like parameters that like I won't I won't add more if it goes below this line. In fact, I'll stop out. But at the same time, too. You know, really what we're looking for is like, I don't want to be averaging down for forever. Like there, there needs to be a cutoff point in time. And then on the same, same side of it, like it's even better actually, if you get in a trade and then it starts going up, you shouldn't be afraid to average up and average up quickly. Like, you know, like if you see it starting to confirm for you, like throw, throw more into it. If it make if it makes sense and it fits the parameters of the trade. Because it's not about getting the perfect trade. Like, it's not about entering perfectly at the lowest point. It's about trying to get as much cash in efficiently that it can, like, return the the greatest multiple per dollar on it. So it's not... You don't have to be perfect at entering, and you don't have to be perfect at exiting either. And I think the more you tell yourself that, the better it is. And sizing in and sizing out helps. So like there should be a certain amount of cash that you will set aside. Like within that allocation that you set aside each week for it, there's a certain amount that you set aside that you will play the game of, I'm going to see how much I, you know, how low perfectly within my parameters I can get, you know, buy, buy into this trade, get the lowest average I can get, Right. Then there should be that other half that's reserved for once I get confirmation, then I start adding again, like adding again on that upside of it, right? So then you're then you're adding into the upswing of it with the confirmation. And I think it it helps create like you don't want to get too stagnant in a trade. Because if you if you get bogged down, then you get afraid to hit the sell or the buy button. You want to like keep things moving in and moving out. And while you're while you're waiting for the confirmation too, if you get a pop, but you don't get the pop over like whatever your line, like your trend line is, perfectly okay to sell there, and then buy back in lower, too. You know, like play play the range if you have the if you understand the range and you're comfortable with it. So, and if you're not comfortable with it or you just don't have the time during the day and you're looking for longer swings, like that's totally okay too. Like you don't you had to also be forgiving of like what what your schedule allows for too so yeah a lot of patience a lot of patience yeah but that's why it's like a self mastery game as well right like you're working on your patience you're working on like your forgiveness of yourself you're working on um just improvement and just like playing a game you almost got to play a game with yourself and be like, okay, how well can I how well can I execute this trade? And 
It's not about just like, okay, I'm in. Now I'm going to sit and watch, right? You want to be, you want to stay on the active side of things, not the, not the passive side of things. Because once it becomes passive, then the trade controls you. You don't control the trade. So that's, uh, that's a really big thing for me is like stay active in your trade, stay proactive in your trade. And like I talk about this a lot, sizing out in thirds helps a ton. Sizing in in thirds helps a ton. You do quarters, you can do fifths, like whatever works for you. Um, some like I do like to do a, a starting opening where I just buy one of whatever and it just it just opens the trade for me, right? Like I've I've made the buy. Now I can try to like start figuring out, you know, how do I get lower or how do I get higher or whatever. And then I I do the same thing on the on the sell side. When it's time to start selling, I just I sell one just to break the seal for it, right? And then and then I go, you know, then I just continue increasing in blocks from there. And that's that's an easy way to like get over that mental hurdle of of like, you know, I wish the trade could go on for forever because I think we all secretly hope that is that it's just going to go on for forever and <laughs> it just straight lines up more money. But that's not really how anything actually works in trading. Everything comes to an end. So. And broccoli. Oh, abruptly. <laughs> Abruptly. Sometimes it can come very abruptly. I think once your once your gut starts getting anxious about it, that's the time to cut. So um when you're up there and you, you've made your money. You know? Yep, don't get greedy. Don't get greedy. Which I, I don't really enjoy that saying because I think it's a, I think it is a little bit dumb. Because I think there are times to be greedy and there are times to like not be greedy, but it's not it's not like one thing or the other is bad. I think it's more about be be as analytical as you can about the trade and just be proactive and active in the trade. And don't don't think about don't like know what your numbers are in your head about, you know, where you think the most realistic outcomes are and and what the contingencies are, but don't have a number like I must get to this number. It's you just need to keep all the numbers floating in your head and whatever you think is the most likely outcome based on what's happening you just got to follow that and just accept that and take take what you get um and if you're uncomfortable just step out and then once you're comfortable with with more of the data then you step back in too and i think that's a really big piece of risk management is don't be afraid to stop out um you know it's not about being a quitter it's about it's about being a complete coward and protecting your capital. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's really what it comes down to is, is you know, you try not to let them take any of your money. You're just trying to take all their money. And you got to save your ass sometimes. Right. And then sometimes you got to buy the insurance, which is, and sometimes the insurance is stepping out. So. And that's totally fine. And then two, I think one one thing. So 
this is this is one of the things that I was running through in my head, and I was like, "That's so fucking dumb." That they tell you to do this at the start, which is like journal. And I think I shouldn't say it's dumb, but I do think the like, dear diary, today I lost five hundred dollars, or today I lost like five thousand dollars, and you know I, I didn't make any good trades, and blah blah blah. I don't think that actually does a lot constructively, at least from from my perspective. Like I've read that before. I think what what really helps when you're journaling is because like I can. <laughs> this is what I was I was most angry about. I was like I was like I don't want to write about the fucking scoreboard. If I want to if I want to know the scoreboard, I'll go look at the fucking scoreboard. You know, I know where I st- I know where I stand on all my trades and what what my drawdowns are. Um, but that might just be me being like a, a really grumpy lunatic about us, a, a competitive psycho uh, about, you know, scoreboards and, and competition and some shit. I, I think that what really is constructive is you need to piece together what the bigger picture is and keep things in perspective. If you're going to journal, like I think what really helps me so I guess the sub stack in a way is me journaling every day. And what I try to do is I try to concisely summarize what's going on in the markets. So I try to figure out where we are high level, what any catalysts are and what, what I like, what, you know, targets I like specifically. And I'm, I'm just summarizing it in an objective way and I'm just re rehashing essentially every, everything that, either happens and then what I think will happen next. And I think by putting putting that all together at the end of the day, I think then allows me to go after hours, process that, think about it and be ready for the next day to start because then I'll have an idea overnight or I'll it'll put things more in perspective or I'll have some distance between the day before and probably have some better ideas about like how to handle things. So I think, you know, you can make the journal really personal if you want to, but I think, um, it, it's only going to serve you so far. I think that if you want to keep track of the scoreboard, go look at the fucking scoreboard. But other than that, you know, it, it should really be to summarize what's going on and recap your recap what's happening in the markets and what's happening in your trades. But like, also, I would say with the whole journaling thing, you don't have to just write the negatives of what happened. Also, do you like the positives? Like, any anything up is a win, even if it's not like what your original goal was, right? Yeah, I mean, green is green is green, but. What I'm saying is, is like that, like whether it's red or green, I, I just think it, it's a little bit, it's a little bit dumb unless you really need that. Yeah. You might need that, like as you're working through things, mm-hmm. just to kind of like pro, like process it in the beginning. But after a while, it should really be more like you should try to shift from a personal focus to like, like looking internally to looking externally. In trying to determine what factors 
are happening, like what variables are happening and how you can proactively position to like counteract whatever's going to happen so you can make money off of it, you know? So I think that's, that's a big deal. Well, my mic was off, but it's on now, so. It is? (laughs) I was about to ask you, did your, did your mic just die? We'll see if they'll be able to hear me. I don't know. I talk pretty soft, too, so I don't think your mic would be able to pick it up. No. No. So. We actually have to sit next to each other, which. <laughs> it's okay. You do your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. You do lecture talks. So I think that ends my rant on risk management and everything that I've been thinking about for it. For yeah, it's pretty good. You painted a really good picture. Yeah. Yeah. What else were you thinking about? Shroom, shroom bunnies. What? <laughs> I so this was this was just funny. I was laughing about this today. So there's a stock called Clean Spark, and um, it it was right on the bottom of its trend line. I was like, uh, you know what? I'm feeling lucky about this. I like, I like where it is. I think it's gonna pop today. And then it totally popped. Which, that's just whispers, baby, right? Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's easy stuff. What does that have to do with bunnies? So, <laughs> the AI picture I did today was had a bunny in it. Oh, okay. And I was like, you know what's, you know, I was like, what's lucky? And then I was like, rabbit's feet. And I was like, oh shit, I did an AI of a bunny. So I just kind of, I tied it all together because in the background, it was a psychedelic background. So I was like, shroom bunnies. Shroom bunnies are good luck. (laughs) The shroom bunny brought me good luck on, on Clean Spark. Yeah, it did. Which is great. And it popped for you. And then it popped. And I got no issues with that because it's finally completing a cup and handle within a, a cup and handle, a larger cup and handle on, on the weekly, which it's it's a little bit eyebrow raising because its earnings are on Thursday. And they, they did have a very strong earnings in December. I, I read through the entire transcript of it. I liked what they, they said in it. I think there's a good narrative surrounding CleanSpark. And the momentum pickup is is interesting walking into this because Bitcoin having is around the corner and, and, and I think there is some room for it to head back higher. So you said the earnings for it is this Thursday? Yeah. Okay. And it's not like it's a long-term investment. It probably is going to be a... In and out. Once I get once I get the pop, I'm I'm probably out. Yeah. I don't really have much reason to stick around for this one. You know. I I like them as a company, but uh, all the miners are are pretty murky. Mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. It's hard to determine which one's going to be the winner, and uh, I mean there are. The ETFs do create more questions than than answers, I think, at this point about, you know, will will miners do well? And it's also 
you don't you really want a miner like the perfect scenario for a miner is high cash reserves doesn't sell their bitcoin um and already has their you know infrastructure pretty much developed hmm. that's pretty much not the case for any of the miners on the market yeah and so you know you're risking them flooding free float their free floats you're risking because they need cash injections to to build their infrastructure or they're going to sell their bitcoin which is another big issue because you know you don't want them as, you want to find miners that refuse to sell any bitcoin essentially because that's what's going to create the real value for them you want right. them to become essentially banks where they loan bitcoin to others and and through like trading desks that they set up mm-hmm. and i think clean spark actually is doing something like that i think they're stopping selling bitcoin which was interesting but for me it's still not bitcoin is is a we're in a very bullish year for it i think i think bitcoin stocks are going to go a lot farther than anything anyone's expected i think i think this having is going to be a much larger bullish event than than people are going to realize i think Looking back in several months, you know, people are going to be slapping themselves that they they weren't like buying Bitcoin or or whatever. Yeah. Into into the having because of the kind of setup that's happening right now, on it. You know. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be one of those events that's just it. We're going to look back on it and go and go. How did I miss that? You know. Yeah, I think I think Bitcoin's Wish already. I would have put more. Right, I think Bitcoin's already proved itself yeah. that that it can do that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's one. Of, I think it's of the last twenty years. It's not the last twenty years. Of the last, I think fourteen years, it's it's one of the most uh, expansive, or or has the high one of the highest gains out of any asset on the on the market. So, mm. you know, I, I mean, if you just bought Bitcoin and held, you'd regularly outperform uh, the stock market. Yeah. So, you know, there, there aren't too many questions about it. Even, and even then, like it's been in a, in a bear market. And I would say that they've probably exited the bear market now at this point. So. Yeah. I was going to say with it, like dropping a bit, now going up. Like, what do you think about that? Now that it's going back up after after it dropped from the 48K? Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's in an IHS, which I was I was showing you on the charts today. Yeah. How how that IHS works. And um it still probably has a couple days left to complete the IHS. Maybe like, I think originally when I threw it out there, I was like four to seven more days. It's looking like it might take a little bit more time than that when I actually formally drew it up on the charts. Because mm-hmm. I, what I like to do is like finish the trade, put it down, and don't look at it for a while. And I just kind of 
almost through intuition know when to when to sort of come back to it you know you can i'll, I'll glance i'll go ah oh, it's not ready yet <laughs> you have like a seventh sense i do in some <laughs> ways it's a little bit magic <laughs> and you know it, now it's been oh almost a month uh, and i i just had a feeling that it, it's about time for it and i come back to it i see an ihs setting up on it and i go there has to be a miner out there that you know it, it makes sense for one of them i think clean spark has a significant undervaluation on it which is why i think there's a trade for it mm-hmm. similar to what i was telling you about you know it, it feels very similar to the rivian trade last year when yeah i was in at i don't know it was like 13 and then it went to 26 Mm-hmm. I actually counted it out. It so it took it went from thirteen to twenty six in eight days. Yeah. I I mean I was counting it out tonight. I was like, how long did that trade actually take? Take because it felt like it was like three days. But it it was actually it was eight, eight days. Eight days. Okay. Not from not from my entry from from. It's bottom to to the top of twenty six. It took eight days. Hmm. From my entry, I think it took two weeks. Yeah. Which was I I waited about No, I it was the Monday after Monday no, it was about a week after they left they got booted from I don't know if it was QQQ, probably was. And yeah, then it, and then the following week, that's when it when it launched, which is crazy. So <laughs> we're there. We'll see. Clean, uh, Clean Spark doesn't have um, that that same kind of setup, and obviously, Clean Spark has an ER in between it, which I don't particularly like because that actually reminds me of. Last year's QuantumScape trade, where it then had an ER and then the ER popped it, and I didn't like how it popped off the ER. It, it kind of made it pretty unstable. Yeah. Um, and then it, it just obviously we know how the QuantumScape trade ended, which was um, it went from forty percent gain down. You know, it it the stock itself collapsed in it on itself. Not not my trade collapsed on it, but um. I would I thought it had a lot of potential left on it, so I was disappointed to see how that Played that all out. ended yeah. in the end for it. Yeah. But Clean Spark Clean Spark has some interesting qualities to it. I think I think there's something there for it. That it's gonna have it's gonna have another pop. So we'll see what happens with it. Specifically where it's still got some time on it and i think you know what i was trying to gauge today really was you know what's the stewardship of the company like how you know is the ceo pretty conscious of uh their stockholders are they are they conscientious of stock price and are they trying to like guide it in a way that that will drive the stock price higher so um i think my my conclusion is is that you know they they seem pretty conscientious of of what's going to move the stock 
and what's going to create value for it. So, yeah. So, yep. That's Clean Spark. And that's, um, that's what you're following. And what else? Uh, a play in Elf Beauty, a play in Uber for earnings, but those are both small plays. And then, uh, let's see, you know, I think I'm, I'm over index plays for right now, as well as, uh, I think uh, are you getting a call? Yeah. All right. We will pause. All right, y'all. I'm back. Uh, so Gwen went off to bed because it got late and uh, I can't do a podcast solo. So we're going to end the podcast here, but I appreciate you guys very much. This was the Wiz Merlin Uncensored. And uh, I do have a sub stack if you're listening. And uh, you should go check it out. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon.